to Art Heroes with JPH, where we believe art heals, connects, and galvanizes. I'm your host, Joanna Patrice Haggerty. On this show, I am honored to have some of the nation's most innovative leaders, artists, and creative business owners to share their unique and valuable experiences, processes, practical tips, and inspirations. Today with me is Kendra Penlin, who is a very proud mother of two sons, a musician, small business owner and consultant, and a committed social justice advocate. She attended UNC Chapel Hill and Western Carolina University, resulting in a bachelor and master's degree. Kendra has a strong commercial and business development track record and is either directed fundraised, consulted, or served on over 17 local, regional, statewide, and national nonprofit boards, and seven local, state, and federal political campaigns. I brought Kendra on to talk about all things art and business, but first, Kendra, thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. It's such an honor and it's always like a little hard for me. I just pick like all these amazing people I know in my, I'm in my circle and I'm like, wait, I want to talk with you. Wait, come on my show. This is perfect. (laughs) It's a good one, two punch. So there's so much I feel like to unpack. And I, as you heard in my intro, my show really is the intersection between art and business, which again, you blend so beautifully. So before we kind of dive into who you are and what you do now, let's like wind the clock back a little and talk about like young Kendra and what did the world look like for you? Were you a creative when you were younger? Yes, I actually have been a visual artist, um, I, I, unless you count singing into my boombox as a nine-year-old, a performing <laughs> artist. No, it even, is. Thank I you. I didn't really start performing as a musician until um, I was 19, but really started to gain steam in my early 20s. Um, but yes, I've always painted and drawn, sung, um, danced, written, uh, and, and I had a group and a family where that was encouraged and modeled for me as well a lot of in different ways so um art something that i grew up around all kinds of different kinds of uh, visual art and music and um going to plays and reading books and so it's just been something that's always surrounded me in addition to just like the the art of nature you know that surrounds us um so yeah that that's always been something that's been a part of my life and i'm grateful to have grown up in an environment where that was celebrated and encouraged Yeah, I think as people like you and I, as art advocates and creatives and business owners, we understand how invaluable that is to have an environment where art is supported and celebrated versus like, oh, when are you getting a real job? Or, oh, you know, like that mentality is so detrimental to the creative spirit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely was encouraged to be an attorney, mostly because (laughs) my, my dad thought that. I, it would be perfect for me to get paid to argue. So <laughs> he's like, you're really good at it. So maybe that support your life, but <laughs> I, I didn't go that direction. Um, thankfully, I'm really happy where, where I've been and where I am now. Yeah. So how did you kind of end up in the work that you did and, and are doing, I mean, 17 nonprofit boards and campaigns for political, I mean, it's such a unique career that you have. So just tell me a little bit about how it's all come together for well, you. Well, no, I think if you were to look at like my resume and, and, you know, people have on different occasions um, for different reasons and they're like, you've done a lot of stuff and it doesn't <laughs> always sound like a compliment, but um <laughs> You know, really, the way I look at it all, the bo- my body of work is I've been a professional storyteller. 
my entire life. And I've just done it in different ways. You know, I've told the you know story of candidates or um, local government programs or nonprofits, um, um, my business, other people's businesses, or helped them tell their story in a, um, a more compelling way or help them to elevate parts of their story that they didn't realize were compelling mm-hmm. um, and, and do that in a way that was authentic to who they were as businesses or candidates or organizations. So I've, I've been a storyteller my entire life. And now as I'm starting to write, you know, music and putting out an album later this year, I'll be, those aren't even all my own stories either, but I'm still telling other people's stories and some are mine, but that's what I've really always done and what I've always enjoyed. And I've always seen the value. Um, well, it's interesting that your dad said lawyer, which is still using words to tell some sort of stories. Right. And yes, he was accurate in some ways, but you've really expounded on that. What is it about stories and sharing people's experiences that feels really valuable for you? Well, I think one way it's uh it's such a connective mm-hmm. way of communicating, you know, even if it's um, someone telling it, telling a story at someone, I think even as a musician, when you're performing, there's still this two way communication yeah. um, that you're, you're sharing and you're feeding off of each other and seeing how people respond. Um, but I also think just hearing um, whether it's me telling my story or you telling yours or me helping tell someone else, tell their story that there's, there's something about that, that, um, that makes this kind of big, uh, faceless world like a little smaller and more cozy you know mm. where people kind of know something more personal or intimate or um a specific thing that you might not have known otherwise that makes you kind of look through a different lens or interact differently i think that's the, the connectivity of it to me is something i've always really enjoyed it bringing people together you know in different ways And I think, you know, we can understand watching so many difficult experiences right now in the world financially, you know, the world is struggling with, you know, its own health and all of that. We understand that connecting is actually what brings us together to solve these problems collectively. And in a society of you're on your cell phone, even if I'm sitting beside someone, I'm not engaging with them. Telling those stories allows that barrier to be broken in a way that, again, hard conversations can be had and complex problems can be solved, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, there's just so there's we're in this global. It's not even PTSD, like we're in current trauma, straight (laughs) up trauma. Yeah, absolutely. On on all levels. But it's also I think um, I think it's also bringing other like past things up. And and in some ways, Mm -hmm. you have um, the the resources and the support systems available that can be. you know, a, a catalyst or a vehicle towards, towards some healing and some more self-awareness and self-actualization. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't have access to those things. Right. Which is why there are these nonprofits that do the work they do. But again, you and I know, Kendra, nonprofit work is typically done on what they call a shoestring budget, right? There's no dollars, there's nothing. And they're chasing money a lot of times, right? I have, as a business coach, had so many people say, oh, well, this business should be a nonprofit and they should do this. And I'm like, that's fine. But also donations and grants are a difficult business model. (laughs) Yeah, having a robust... um, you know, fundraising strategy that is multi-layered. I mean, you can't, 
you, you can't count on one or two sources of revenue. Like you can't just do grants. You can't just do individual donations. You've got to get really, again, creative. Um, right. And that's on top of a lot of times providing services for people that are in some really um, complex and intense situations. You know, it doesn't, it's not always about crisis. There's a lot of different kinds right. of nonprofit, but, but, you know, in, in every nonprofit is doing really important, critical vital work and so but to also have to be hustling around to to find the dollars that compete for the dollars and especially in a city where we have more nonprofits in Asheville right. than any other city in the state of North Carolina like oh, wow. it's a uh, you know it's it's rough out there in those nonprofit streets you know <laughs> and what I'm hearing for anyone who's out there that is a nonprofit or even you know this these tips work for any businesses but because your niche is the nonprofit world is that really making sure that that story is matching with who you're telling the story to, right? The person right. who's on the street that you're trying to convince you can give them a meal is going to want a different version of the story than, you know, the person sitting behind a desk, desk reading your grant report, you know? <laughs> yeah, but they still need to be fundamentally consistent. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, brands, brands aren't just for private sector, you know, they're brands for nonprofits, you know, that's how people understand what you do and why it's important. And that has to be consistent and cohesive and integrated and operationalized across your organization. Yeah. And that sounds scary as nonprofits are like, Oh, great. <laughs> one more thing we have to do, but it just takes a little like, you know, thoughtful, you know, thoughtfulness and, and again, um, just consistency and, and how, how you, you have to shit the story, right. For a, someone from a donor to a program participant, but mentally right. those stories should always align. And working with artists and creatives and change makers, we get it that it's easy to sometimes say, ooh, marketing is bad or, oh, I do nonprofit because that's good work or, you know, it's easy to tell ourselves these stories. But what I'm hearing from you is that really a nonprofit should be treated almost in the same way that a business and vice versa, right? That again, looking at these skill sets from both sides and then interjecting all the art and creativity you can, like storytelling and fun visual imagery is the winning ticket here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that um, if you can manage to do that, then you'll have more satisfaction, more success and more sustainability. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And I just, you know, we could go a little more down that rabbit hole and we may circle back, but I want to leave a little space too for your art and creativity. And you were just talking about this album that you're recording and working through, like what has you becoming a performing artist and, and musician really looked like for you. I want to just share some space on that. Wow. You know, it's been interesting because like I said, I, I was raised um, in an environment where creativity and, and music in particular was something that I shared different kinds of music was something that was in, were introduced to me by different parts of my family. And, but no one really played instruments or mm -hmm. performed. And so it never really seemed to me like that. It, it was just something I didn't see around me. And I was something that I just saw that was for other people. And then I kind of fell into it um, when I was in Chapel Hill and I just really didn't have the confidence, but like, you know, people kept asking me to play. So I was like, okay, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I guess, you know, and, uh, and then I took a break for many years uh, when I had my oldest son um, because I was, you know, having him on my own and, yeah. Uh, moved from Chapel Hill up to here to Asheville and just had some different priorities and needed to focus my energy in different places. Um, and then I remarried, had another child, had a couple different career changes. And when I got divorced and um, the kids were with my ex-husband every other week, I was like, oh, what am I going to do with my time? I'm missing <laughs> yeah. 
And so I decided I wanted to find my music again. And like nobody had taken it from me, but I had let myself lose yeah. it and get away from it. And so I just went out and started to see local music and um, support local bands and then kind of fell into it. And this is a really intimidating music community to come into, especially when you haven't been performing for 15 years, you yeah, know, yeah, um, or 13 years. So, uh, but it's also a really encouraging and loving music community and had some really um, people that are now, I count them my best friends that, you know, found it. I sang and then they would make me sing. For <laughs> love in their heart and and then I just kept getting um good scared and doing it you know Mm -hmm. and played a lot of covers and then during the pandemic uh when my kids were you know with their dad on those weeks uh and my dog was just sick of me um I have a piano a, a beautiful baby grand piano in my kitchen um I got rid of my dining room table and that's how you know I'm a real musician. <laughs> oh, I love it when you prioritize an instrument for yeah, any space like in your house. 1150 square foot house. I don't have a room with so of course the dining room table's gotta go. I um, saw a tiny home the other day with a baby grand piano. I was like, you know what? We make it work when we have that to. Makes perfect sense to me. I mean, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, so I just um, was sitting here and started working on all these songs. And some of them are lyrics I had written 20 some years ago. Um, but a lot of them, one of them I wrote in response to the George Floyd protests mm-hmm. and the Black Lives Matter movement and the treatment of peaceful protesters yeah. um, through the lens of, you know, white allies and anti-racists. And uh, and then other, there's other songs, one about my grandmother, one about a friend who's passed and, you know, a couple other things, but anyway, uh, just kind of sat here and worked on some stuff and had other musician friends who obviously were not gigging, right. um, who had the ability to help me record. And I started a flower business and sold flowers from my front yard to pay for their time in the studio time, Aww. recorded an album and it's taken a little while, um, to get the final funding together, to get it mastered and all the intellectual property protection yeah. in place. But I have had a couple of really generous and kind patrons who have helped me get that across the finish line there. And so I'll be releasing it. I uh, don't have a date yet, but I'll be releasing it before the end of the year and we'll be having wow. a um, party. So I'll make sure to let you know all about it. I am thrilled. And there's two kind of points that I want to like pull out, but the first part is just really highlighting that people don't understand. If you are listening to a song on the radio or Spotify or anywhere, it took so much energy and effort to get there. Like you said, not only the writing process, the emotional process of saying, is my music worthy and good enough? Then the logistical of writing, recording, the dollar bills. Then you have, you know, what does it take to register your songs and get them on those platforms? Mm -hmm. I mean, people genuinely do not understand how Mm -hmm. much real work that takes. And I just wanted to highlight that. But I was curious if you have any tips because you were saying, you know, so many people run into this problem where they have some creativity they really loved when they were younger, they got away from it, and they're not quite sure how to get back. And one of the things that I heard was that you used those difficult, challenging moments to fuel that, right? That instead of numbing out when your kids were gone or pandemic or Black Lives Matter, you dove in and used creativity to catharsis it. Yeah. Instead of feeling like they were empty spaces in my life, I was like, well, you know, or empty time. Um, Well, let's fill it with something that makes me happy and brings me joy. And, and 
I think makes me a lot, I'm a lot nicer when I <laughs> music and play music. I'm much more pleasant. Um, but, um, but yeah, and it was something I had gotten away. So it was like, yeah, rediscovering an old love and, um, and, and just starting out by going out and listening and supporting live music and then getting to know folks um, out there and, and, you know, the different venues and different kinds of music that, that are, It sounds like that you got inspired by going and seeing others doing it. And then they in turn kind of brought that kind of community connection story conversation you were talking about back to you to inspire you. And tell me, you didn't like beat yourself up when you weren't perfect when you first started, right? You were like, oh, I'm just in my house playing, right? That's such an important part of the conversation. (laughs) Yeah, I would just be like, nope, that does not work, girl. (laughs) You need to leave that one alone for a while. Come back to that one. Or yes. like, yeah, this one feels like we're, we're, you know, we're on a roll. So let's keep at it for a little bit. Yeah. But also, yeah. And I also have friends that were really integral and, you know, that trusted friends that I knew would give me uh, honest, candid and constructive criticism and feedback. And I would, you know, like I said, I had to get a little uncomfortable and a little yeah. good scared. I call it good scared, you know, <laughs> not, like not dangerous for my life or anything, but, um, but it's a little scary, but that's, I think that's the space where you grow or where I do anyway. I mean, um, and actually from a psychological perspective, it's proven, they call it the growth edge. And it, you know, when, as an educator and a teacher, and I've walked kids do this, I watch adults do this. If you stay in your comfort zone, you waste away. If you push just outside of it where you can still achieve something, right? We're not trying to make you be unsuccessful, right? We don't need to put you on a 10,000 person stage the first time you're singing your song, right? Like we work through it. (laughs) Although I would not be opposed to that if there's anyone out there that would like to <laughs> well, Kendra, also, you may need that encouragement, but you also are someone that I have always seen in the community who really does have a sense of self and stands up for who you are and what you believe. And that is a lot of internal work that I think translates. That's that's worth honoring. Well, thank you so much. And I feel the same way about you, girl. Mm, we're just doing our part. And again, you know, the last minutes or two, is there anything else you really want to kind of share? I know that there's this whole other business you've been doing the last year or two, like helping people organize homes. Like yeah. what else feels important to share yeah, with the well, world? I think this is also, um, you know, working in the nonprofit world, I did that for a long time and it, it's hard emotional work. And I had a hard time separating from yeah. that sometimes yeah. and being fully present for my family sometimes. I mean, they weren't neglected. Right. But, you know, I was thinking about some of the people who were participating in the programs that were homeless or struggling with addiction issues or, or yeah. whatever, hard to unplug and be fully present for my family. But the company I started called Space Sorter and, um, you know, the tagline is reclaim your space. And it was something that I think a lot of people had a hard time with when the pandemic happened and all of a sudden overnight you're working from home and you're mm. pulling your kids from home if, if, you know, you have children and, and you have thought a lot of forethought or, um, other resources and um, and then just things coming and so that was a great time to start that business and I didn't where I just kept getting people that knew me like <clears throat> asking me to help with things and it just kind of all happened to be like that vein and and I was like all right you know I can't the universe is like okay girl like we're like <laughs> all right I'm here for you like if you don't walk through one of these doors we're gonna push you through I kind of decided to roll with it and I, I have kind of a system it's really about um whatever organizing work I do with, with someone, whether it's a single room or entire home or a garage or a storage unit, or I've worked with some nonprofits um, as well. 
that it's got to be intuitive to whoever is is managing and utilizing the space. Otherwise, yeah. they can maintain it. So if I go in and say, okay, we're going to color code, you know, these things, and you're already overwhelmed, you're not going to remember what. Absolutely. So it yeah. has some sense. So I just kind of always ask folks, like, well, how do you want the space to function? How do you want to feel when you're in it that you don't now? Things like who uses the space the most? Are you right-handed or left-handed? Like, are there any kind of, you know, accommodations that we need to make? Um, physically or otherwise, or even with lighting. If you have someone who is on the spectrum, sometimes lighting can be a trigger and like you just don't go into a room. Yeah. Um, So anyway, there's a lot of things to think about. So every job or every client and customer um, is really like a custom kind of job, but it's kind of like strategic planning or consulting. That's what I was just going to say, Kendra, is like maybe it feels a little off the wall for you, but your entire career feels like it's got this theme of using storytelling to get to the root of what needs to change and then making the change. And that's like a mic drop moment. So because we have to wrap up anyway, (laughs) how can people (laughs) learn about you and your music? How can they check out Space Sorters? Like where can people stay connected with you? So you can find, um, there's not a lot happening on my social media right now with the music, but there will be. So you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Kendra Penland Music. Um, I have a website that'll be launching later this year and space sorter AVL is where you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. And because I've been so busy organizing and writing music, I have not a lot updated, a lot of pictures lately, but there are plenty on there, um, that will give people perspectives and different ways to contact me. Um, and there'll also be a live website on that later this yeah, year. Well, so. they're getting the pre inside info, so they get to go yeah. follow you and then watch it all blossom, which is yeah. super exciting. You, you folks out there are early adopters. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kendra, I'm a fan. So sign me up for all of it. And again, mm-hmm. thank you so much for being here and for all the work that you do for Asheville and beyond. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And, and thank you so much for highlighting um, this really cool intersection. This is kind of like a beautiful Venn diagram of community, <laughs> you know, that you're highlighting and, and giving voice to folks that are doing some cool things. And I, I just as a listener and a community member, I really appreciate it. So thanks for that, Joanna. Oh my gosh. Well, now I'm blushing, but thank you so much. And as always, this is Art Heroes with JPH, where we share tips and tools of our community's most innovative entrepreneurs, artists, and creative business owners. Thank you for tuning in and please connect by visiting bizradio.us or arthero.biz. We would love to hear your show suggestions or any questions you may have. And as always, stay creative. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.